Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a new story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week we have something a little special for you, as we're doing a collaboration with our sports site, The42.ie, and its deputy editor, Niall Kelly, is here, along with Sean Murray from The Journal. But I'm going to start today asking a question, mostly for the listeners out there, but also, Sean, do you know who Philip Brown is? I can't say that I do, Sinead. And Niall, would you recognise Tom Ryan if you were walking down the street? He crops up once or twice in the sports desk, yeah. Yeah, so Tom Ryan is the GA chief executive. Sean, Philip Brown is actually the head honcho in the IRFU. Would you know John Delaney? Absolutely, I've heard of him once or twice, yeah. Would you know who he was if you were sitting in the pub next to him, Niall? I'd say he's a hard enough man to miss. I think it's actually a really good comparison to make because John Delaney is wildly famous for holding the chief executive position of the FAI compared to those two men who have similar positions in similar sized sporting organisations in Ireland. And this cropped up two weeks ago, Irish Times sports writer Maliki Clerken quite philosophically asked in one of his pieces, why is John Delaney in the news so much? You can imagine him pondering as he wrote, still though, if you sit down and actually think about it, why should anyone outside soccer circles have to spend any of their time hearing about John Delaney? And I imagine him sitting in front of tons of newspaper clippings and probably front pages of Life magazines thinking about this, you know, articles where Delaney is pictured lassoing a tie into the crowd at a match or the other one of him apologising for singing an IRA song. And maybe he even dug out a VHS of John the Baptist, that documentary that was made about John Delaney a few years back. In the end, Malachy decides, you'd imagine the job would be one of keeping the head down and pushing gamely on to try and fix the many ills that beset the game here. It is slow, grim, generally unrewarding work, and almost none of it is newsworthy. He also says that none of it is sexy. But since that piece was published, the news around Delaney has only intensified. So on behalf of Malachy and everybody else in Ireland, I'm going to ask you, Niall, why is John Delaney in the news so much? So much in general or so much right now? Let's stick to right now for the moment. Why? What's been happening in the last couple of weeks? Okay, so this story all came to the fore on the night before St. Patrick's Day, the evening of the 16th of March, when it became apparent very late in the Saturday evening that John Delaney had sought a high court sitting in order to take out an injunction against the Sunday Times and its reporter Mark Tig. Now, John Delaney believed that there was a story that was going to be in the paper the following day and as an injunction is, he was seeking to have it completely quashed. He lost his High Court injunction half an hour, I believe, before the, the paper was due to go to print. And that story made it into the following day, Sunday Times. What's the story? The story surrounds, as you may be aware, a €100,000 loan, which he gave to the FAI in April 2017. So from his personal account, he wrote a cheque to the, to the FAI for 100000 And that was then later repaid in June 2017. This was never known before now. And Mark Tig, the Sunday Times, had this story and reported it. The FAI, despite the Sunday Times' best intentions and best efforts to get clarity from them, ignored everything and didn't issue any statement until after the paper had gone to print, at which point they came out and they said that later on that night and said that it was a bridging loan that was determined to, or that was needed to aid a short term cash flow issue within the association and had been repaid then two months later in June 2017. Do we know why a cash flow issue may have occurred? No, that much that much isn't clear. Although the FAI were at pains to stress very quickly that it was the only time that it had happened. And it kind of kicked off a series of statements as the FAI tried to clarify to an extent what was actually going on here. And as people 
in power, Sport Ireland in particular, tried to get to the bottom of the issue around how this loan had happened, the terms on which the loan was granted, all of the details of it, why they had been kept in the dark on it. Because is this normal for any uh, these kind of loans to happen in sporting bodies? No, it really shouldn't be. And I think that was, uh, it, the word extraordinary has been used a lot in the last couple of weeks. And I think extraordinary because the FAI are an organisation with massive annual turnover, serious amounts of money passing through the organisation and with the banking facilities to match that. And I think that was what was seen as so extraordinary that they had gone to, gotten to a point where in April 2017 that cash flow for whatever reason, reason was so tight that they needed this personal loan from the chief executive. So we were getting statements every day from the FAI. How did we get to a point then that John Delaney was stepping away from his position. Well, now, these two scenarios are entirely unconnected. Okay. So... I think that'll be news to a lot of people because it was all happening in the one week. It did all happen in the one week. So within... within, The Sunday Times story came out on the Sunday. By the following Saturday night, Ireland were playing their first European Championship qualifier in Gibraltar, the first game of Mick McCarthy's new era. And And Ireland matches don't actually come around that often. So the fact that all of this was happening all at once. Yeah, it was one of the most remarkable nights really in the recent history of Irish football and not because of anything which happened on the pitch, which was totally forgettable. In the minutes before kickoff, words started to filter out through the journalists in Gibraltar that there was a statement expected from the FAI later on that night. And it landed not long after the full-time whistle all 1,883 words of us, (laughs) and announced that John Delaney would be moving to the newly created position of FAI Executive Vice President with immediate effect, that his 15-year term as FAI CEO had come to an end, and that the FAI were beginning the process to appoint a new CEO. Now, the explanation outlined by the FAI for all of this was that this goes back to a much broader governance review, which has been ongoing since February 2017. And they said that this was merely the latest element in that, which was to commission an external review of their governance structures and of their senior management, which was carried out by a company called Jonathan Hall Associates. Jonathan Hall himself being former director of governance with the FA in England. And what this report suggested was that the existing CEO powers would be split. So the role which John Delaney had been doing back since late 2004, early 2005 would be split and that there would be a CEO, but that there would also be this new position of executive vice president, which John Delaney was unanimously appointed to by the board the day before it was announced. So that would also retain, that executive vice president role would also retain a lot of the most significant functions and power of his previous role. So, for example, he continued to deal with FIFA, he would continue to deal with UEFA. Any bidding for tournaments would now be the remit of the executive vice president. Uh, he'd still sit on the board of the Aviva Stadium, all those kind of functions. So the, the journalists waiting in Gibraltar, knowing something is is about to come out, did they have any idea about this new role? No, the first they heard of it was in the statement. And because it, it is funny, Delaney has spoken about this once. He went on to a podcast in Tipperary called Extra Time Junior Football and talked about why his role was changing. And he did outline how busy he was at, as the CEO of the FAI. Like in his words, he was actually doing three people's roles. Um, and, and during that, he continued to prioritise the work the local work that he did. And and I guess some people would snub that, but maybe he's correct. Like that maybe is as important as the 
big business stuff. Um, you know, he said he's given, I, this is a quote from him, I've given my life to that and I love it. I get great energy out of it. I love helping the clubs. I love meeting the volunteers. I love grassroots people. And then goes on to talk about how it's a big business with a 50 million euro turnover and, and lots of d- international elements. So you can see that point of view. And, and that was the review that came out, you know, that there are actually two jobs there, not one. But of course, a lot of people aren't satisfied with that. And I think probably compounded by the fact that we have this story about the 100,000 loan to the point that people like the Taoiseach are even asking about it. And he wondered during the week, um, you know, why wasn't there banking facilities available if there was a cash flow problem? Um, Sean, the Oireachtas have been quite involved in this um, since the stories broke in the Sunday Times last month. What have they been saying? So like, there's a lot of politicians who have been very strong on this and they really want to know like we all do, what is the story behind this 100,000 um, euro loan that Delaney gave to the FAI? So we've had uh, politicians such as uh, Fine Gael's No Rock, um, Sock Dems, Catherine Murphy, and they, they, they've been quite strong on it and they appeared in committee this week with Sport Ireland. But I, I think it's important to know what the role of committee is in this kind of context. Um, essentially, it's a tool by politicians that can hold public bodies or bodies that get public funding to account. So FAI gets public funding and this is a, a tool that they can use to try and hold them to account. But it's important to know they also have limitations. They can't say, okay, we're not satisfied with your answers, John. Um, we think you should no longer do your role or anything like that. But I think it's it's really important because so far we've only got um, statements coming from the FAI in kind of dribs and drabs, not really fully explaining or providing a satisfactory explanation. So this is going to be a public forum now where we can actually ask John Delaney these questions. Yeah, I think it's really obvious from the last few weeks that people have very important questions and are really determined to get answers for those questions. But not everybody feels the same. And in some ways, I do think it's really telling how much support John Delaney has from the people who describe themselves as football people. You know, they look at his work over the past 20 years and what they see is really good stuff. You know, you'll hear people talk about the grassroots a lot and we'll do that today as well. And they say that John Delaney was brilliant for grassroots football. And on top of that, like from how much I follow football, like I know that we're hosting Euro 2020 games in Dublin next year. We have bids in for the under 21 Euros. Um, We had the Europa League final here back in 2011. You know, that's making Ireland a bit more of a player on the international scene. So I think when you look at John Delaney, it's not an easy assessment when you're talking about what job he has done for the FAI. So to that end, Niall, we've looked at where we are right now in the news cycle, but At The Explainer, we love going back right to the start of the story. So can you bring us there and explain how John Delaney first came to the FAI and how he rose to the top? Well, in order to answer that, I think the best thing to do is to go back to the mid-1990s. And in particular, it's worth noting that John Delaney comes... There's a history of football administration in the family. His father, Joe, was the chairman of Waterford United, and he went on to be the honorary treasurer of the FAI. And people may remember Joe Delaney as one of the central figures in what became known as the Marion Gate scandal in the 1990s. And to briefly sum up what the Marion Gate scandal was... Please do. It was to do with the FAI's policy for buying tickets for the 1990 World Cup and the 1994 World Cup. And it emerged subsequently that in order to get the most tickets possible for Ireland fans, they'd actually been dealing with a ticket tout 
sum of £200,000 had gone missing. This ticket tower had essentially left them high and dry without any tickets. Joe Delaney, as the honorary treasurer, had stepped in and made up some of that shortfall, £110,000 out of his own pocket. And it all came to a head in 1996 in what was known as the Night of the Long Knives, where the resignations of Joe Delaney and another a number of other board members were forced. On that night in the Westbury Hotel, sitting there, 27-year-old John Delaney, who was only starting out in his own career as a football administrator, but was getting a very quick sense for the drama that can engulf football, politics and governance. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it deserved the gate tag. Definitely. So not long after that, John Delaney himself was involved uh, with Waterford United. He was their delegate to the FAI. He studied accountancy in his youth. Did he ever play football, actually? He did. He played a little bit in his youth for St. Michael's in Tipperary Town. He was a centre half, I believe. And as well as that, he was one of the founding members of the Tralee Celtic Club as well when he was living in Kerry for a little while. So he was he was sent as Waterford United's delegate to the FAI, which led to him then being co-opted onto the board of management in 1999. And by remarkable coincidence, if nothing else, his arrival coincided with two of the most significant sagas in Irish football. I know you're probably thinking we've just had Marion Gate. How many more sagas were there? The answer is when it comes to Irish football, a lot. Both of those helped to elevate him into a real position of power to the point where in November 2002 there was an article in the Irish Independent and the headline was The Man Most Likely to Rescue Irish Football Under a Profile of John Delaney. So that gives you some indication of the standing which he was held in at that point. How did he get to there? Well, first of all, he was one of the most vocal opponents to the FAI's plans to build Aircom Park, which you might remember the FAI dream to build a 45,000-seater in City West, but which was derailed when it kind of butted up against the plans led by the government for Stadium Ireland, colloquially known as the Birdie, the Birdie Bowl. Bowl. The Birdie <laughs> Bowl. And ultimately led, that, that was scrapped. John Delaney was one of the most vocal critics because he believed financially it was going to be a noose around the neck of the FAI and it could lead them towards bankruptcy. When the Aircom Park plan died... John Delaney, there was a shake of the board and John Delaney was appointed as honorary treasurer in 2001. That's the same job as his dad had. That is the same job as his dad had. He was the youngest ever to take up the position in the association's history. But again, by coincidence, it meant that he was front and centre, one of the most recognisable people, one of the most recognisable faces of the FAI when another major controversy erupted in the summer of 2002. The S word. The S word, Saipan and all that it entailed. And John Delaney gained a reputation for himself in those couple of months in a very short space of time and with everything that followed as kind of a savvy political operator and kind of one of maybe a young go-getter that contrasted with everything that Saipan represented. He was the one who advocated most forcefully for the Genesis report, which was the external report commissioned into the failings of the FAI governance and management. He was the one who made the most noise about the need to implement it. And it was that Genesis report that kind of led in spirit, if not in absolute practice, to a transformation of the FAI where their governance structure went from a board made up of 22 largely volunteer members and was constructed then into an executive professional management committee which was headed up by the CEO. John Delaney wasn't the first CEO of the FAI post-Genesis. That was Fran Rooney. He was appointed in April 2003 with the support and backing of John Delaney. But within the space of about 18 months, 
John Delaney's support of Fran Rooney had ebbed away to the point where John Delaney had no qualms when Fran Rooney decided to resign and in his place an interim CEO was appointed in November 2004. That man? John Delaney. John Delaney. So he obviously went down from interim to CEO at some point. Yes, in a, a quite a short space of time, but there's a story in itself to that, in that when John Delaney was appointed as see interim CEO, the government led by Minister John O'Donoghue were adamant, absolutely adamant that the position be publicly advertised, that it wasn't just an internal appointment by the FAI. The FAI dragged their heels a little bit. I think they had designs that John Delaney would be allowed to remain in place for a while, not indefinitely, but for a while. They were in no rush to get this done. And it led to this incredible Mexican standoff between John O'Donoghue and the FAI, where John O'Donoghue pub- publicly threatened to revoke all FAI funding unless the position was advertised by his deadline, which was the end of the year. The position was subsequently a- advertised on New Year's Eve, I believe, so kind of minute to midnight stuff by the FAI. But on the back of that, an interview process was held. The panel was made up of FAI and government representatives and John Delaney was appointed CEO in March 2005 on a full-time basis. So he started with a little bit of controversy. Was there more smooth sailing for a while after that? Not particularly, no. In the beginning, it related to matters on the field most. Um, Brian Kerr was the manager of Ireland and he failed to lead Ireland to the 2006 World Cup and there was a lot of people. Brian Kerr would have retained a lot of support still within Irish football. And still does. And still does. And at the time, a lot of people would have liked to see him get a third campaign. But Brian Kerr's contract wasn't renewed. And John Delaney promised, and he really went out on a limb here and promised that he would deliver a world-class management team for the Irish national football team. Um, what he arrived at instead was a combination of Steve Staunton, who was very inexperienced in management full stop, never mind international management, and guided by Bobby Robson, who had kind of come in as an, in an advisory or a mentorship role. Oh, I had actually forgotten about the Bobby Robson thing, Sean, had you? Unfortunately, I hadn't because I have a kind of etch into my brain when we had that wretched, horrific game against San Marino where we only got out of jail at the last minute, the camera panned to the crowd and Bobby Robson just had a look on his face and said, what the hell have I come into here? And that game is kind of symptomatic of exactly what went wrong here. John Delaney had gone out and got his man and it very quickly became a disaster. Ireland lost 5-2 in Cyprus. They had that game in San Marino itself where they were drawing until the 94th minute, got out of jail with a 94th minute winner, 2-1. And for those who might not remember, San Marino were ranked 195th in the world. So this was not the vision for Irish football that John Delaney had promised. And his his own viability as CEO very quickly became tied to the viability of the men that he had installed in charge. So it wasn't going well on the pitch. What about off it? Yeah, well, off the pitch, certainly, it seemed to be going a little bit smoother the plans to develop Lansdowne Road in conjunction with the IRFU and the government had started during Fran Rooney's time as CEO when John Delaney was still the treasurer. And prior to all of this, you might remember, the FAI were only ever tenants in Lansdowne Road. But under this new partnership... And they, that annoyed people, right? It, it did, yeah. And under this new partnership, the idea would be that they'd partly contribute towards the redevelopment of the stadium. The IRFU would partly contribute and the government would partly contribute. And in return, the FAI would be given a 60-year lease or a 60-year co-lease on the new ground, the Aviva Stadium, as it's since become. So the FAI's contribution to that was going to be €74 million. 
And the plan was, if anybody's ever heard talk about the Vantage Club or Vantage Club tickets in relation to John Delaney's time as CEO, the plan was that there was this block of around 10,000 premium tickets and they'd be sold. They'd be priced up between 12,000 euro and 32,000 euro each. And then the money from the Vantage Club ticket sales would cover the FAI's contribution to redevelopment. Uh, In fairness, when you're thinking about that timing, it was a very different time. It does sound like a pretty decent plan. It was pre-recession. We were in the middle of this boon and people were buying premium tickets. Like I'm thinking about Crow Park, you know, companies in particular were willing to fork out for them. Yeah, and that was the way. And I mean, if you look at the IRFU, they managed to sell their premium tickets at a flat fee of 15,000 euro. But it was a combination of the FAI's pricing, which John Delaney has subsequently conceded was a mistake. And the timing that it happened essentially as the world was about to be gripped by a global recession. And it meant that the FAI didn't sell as many of these tickets as they thought. And, and probably not the 32,000 ones, right? No, I, 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 the pricing was very much up in the air. And they took on then a significant amount of debt, which the FAI is still repaying. So as recently as last summer, John Delaney addressed this and said that while the debt at one point was approximately 70 million euro, that number was now less than 30 million euro for the first time and projected that it would drop under 20 million euro in 2019. Just to go back to Maliki's question there for a minute about why John Delaney is in the news so much. Can you give us a quick rundown of the other things that have happened in the intervening years? Yeah, and you touched on some of them at the top there, Sinead. We had the incident in November 2011 where he was on an away trip in Tallinn in Estonia, a European Championship qualifier, and he put €2,000 of his own money, I should say, behind the bar. So like his generosity coming through again there. Yeah, and in and of itself, not that problematic, except for it happened on the day that two FAI staff were made redundant. There was a night in Sopot at the European Championships then in 2012, where he was congregating with some fans and ended up losing his shoes. Then in the summer of 2015, it emerged that FIFA had paid the FAI 5 million euro so that the FAI wouldn't proceed with legal action arising out of the Thierry Henry handball controversy, which we remember from the 2010 World Cup qualification campaign. (laughs) And John Delaney described it on the radio, and I quote, as a very good and legitimate deal for the FAI. And when he appeared before the Oireachtas Committee in 2017, he reiterated that all of that money had been properly accounted for and signed off by the FAI's auditors. Then, in terms of the domestic game, we also had the famous interview in 2014 where he described the League of Ireland as a difficult child for the organisation, which, you don't need me to tell you, did not go down well at all. No. And all of the time we've had this scenario where the League of Ireland champions make €100,000, now €110,000 in prize money for the winners, which is less than a third of John Delaney's most recent annual salary as CEO. Yeah, so let's get into the salary. What are the exact details of John Delaney's package? Well, his salary as it stands in his new role as executive vice president, we believe is going to be €120,000. But then his most recent salary as CEO was agreed in 2014, and that was a contract to run until 2020, which guaranteed him €360,000 a year. That had actually been higher than that previously. It was as high as 450000 in 2010. And as cuts were implemented across the FAI, John Delaney's salary was cut as well. So it dropped first to 431,000, then to 400,000 in 
July 2011 and then there was another 10% cut in 2012 which brought it down to that 360,000 level. And we found out recently from Mark Tighe's reporting in the Sunday Times that on top of the salary he has been getting benefit in kind in the form of his rent being paid in his house in Wicklow which is about 3,000 a month. So that's been happening since 2016 for that specific property which is owned by Grania Shoga in Kilmacanog in Wicklow but that it had been happening previous to that as well with a property at just under €3,000 a month for a property that he was renting in Malahide. Now, it should be made clear that John Delaney is paying benefit and kind tax on this, but I think the issue that people have is that he is also being paid €360,000 a year in salary, and does he really need an extra 36000 in rental money being paid on his behalf? So that's the 360000 Niall, that's the rent. Is there anything else that uh, John Delaney gets in income? Well, yes, uh, because of his position, he's also on sits on the UEFA Executive Committee. So he was appointed, he was voted onto that in 2017, and the monetary value of that is €160,000 a year, which is then topped up by a €300 a day per diem for his expenses while he's on duty. Now, he, the FAI did state recently that that UEFA money for 2018, the 2018 UEFA salary was donated back to the FAI voluntarily by John Delaney. But the expectation is that as executive vice president, he will continue on in his role on UEFA. In order to sit on that UEFA committee, you have to hold an executive. You can't just be a figurehead within your national body. You have to hold an executive position. And so the expectation is that he will continue on in that position. Whether or not he donates his salary remains to be seen, but if he doesn't, he will obviously have €120,000 FAI salary, €160,000 from UEFA. But it is notable that that was voluntarily donated back in 2018, that UEFA money. This came up a bit in committee this week, a few people asking questions about um, his salary to Sport Ireland, but it, it wasn't a massive focus. Sean, what were they more focused on in committee this week? So I think I think it's important to remember the, the role the Sport Ireland has, first of all. So um, there was the um, CEO of Sport Ireland, John Tracy, was there, and the chairperson of Sport Ireland, Kieran Mulvey. And Sport Ireland's role is it's basically a vehicle set up by the government that gives out money, taxpayer money, to various sporting organisations around the country. And it, as I said earlier, it gives um, just under three million a year to the FAI. And so their main thing is that they did not know about this 100,000 euro loan until we all read about it in the papers. And they, very quickly afterwards, they wrote to the FAI, asked them, here, what's the story with this? Why did you have to give? We're scratching our heads here, yeah. We're all scratching our heads. And uh, Sport Ireland obviously give funding to the FAI, but they don't have a specific role in its governments. But as part of the agreement that Sport Ireland has with the FAI, the FAI must notify Sport Ireland if they ever run into any kind of financial difficulties, any kind of significant financial difficulties. And if, if it was the case, that the FAI really, really urgently needed €100,000, they should have told Sport Ireland at the time. And that's why Sport Ireland right now are so concerned. What Tracy specifically said about that was, he said, the contents of the FAI letter did not sufficiently explain the circumstances of this loan and its repayment, nor fully address the matter of compliance with, with these rules that they have agreed together. So we've all, we're all looking for answers from the FAI and Sport Ireland most particularly. And it's, it's, it's most pertinent because they obviously give a lot of money to the FAI. And so they were kind of suggesting yesterday that well, if we don't get the answers that we want, we could withhold that money. And what was their mood in the committee? So I think the, the overall mood was very, was very downbeat. And we have a clip here that I think really, really sums that up from John Tracy when he was asked, uh, ask how he felt about Sport Ireland being here to answer questions. 
about FAI funding? So uh, it's like a sport, sport itself, you have good days and you have bad days. And today is not a good day for sport to be in here talking about governance within the FAI. And we're deeply disappointed to be in here talking about this issue with yourselves because we shouldn't be in here talking about governance. Uh, we would expect that all, all our organisations that are on the, uh, on the journey in terms of the governance code would have the highest standard going forward. And that's what we'd expect from any organisation, including the FEI. Was there anything in particular that the politicians at that committee wanted? Uh, a main thing that politicians wanted to understand is what can Sport Ireland actually do at this stage? So they've written to the FAI, they've not been given satisfactory answers. So Sport Ireland's role is to kind of some kind of general oversight. It's about what kind of power does that have to say, okay, you're not giving us the answers we want. We're not impressed with how you're being run. What can, you, what can Sport Ireland do? And there was this, a, a very interesting exchange with Ruth Coppinger, and we also have a clip of that, where Tracy admitted that there are limits to what Sport Ireland can do, and it prompted this exchange. I suppose my question would be, um, if you don't regulate the FAI, who does? Well, we need the powers to do that. We don't have the powers within our act to do so. Because uh, it's just members of the public and the fans who pay the money that, generally speaking, funds the, most of the FAI's activities <laughs> will be entitled to ask who protects you know, the investment that they make. Well, we, and we protect, it seems to be that Sports Ireland doesn't, but we've, just no. to finish the thing, yeah. we've also been told uh, it's completely voluntary for the FAI to come in here next week. So who, who regulates them? Well, we protect the investment that we make in the FAI. And uh, I outlined uh, the verification of that uh, countless times. Uh, so that's the piece that we do. And the board of the FEI regulates and oversees the corporate governance of the, of the FEI. Do they have confidence in the FEI board? It was, it was actually very interesting. They were asked that a number of times. Uh, Tracy was asked on a specification, does he have confidence in the FEI? And he replied, well, I'm not saying yes. And that was after being questioned a few times on it. They, they refused to be drawn on it on several occasions. And then that was his kind of very clear way of saying how we felt about the matter. Niall, Sport Ireland can't say they have confidence in the board, but there is a huge amount of people in Irish football who have massive amounts of confidence in John Delaney and his board. We hear this all the time about how the grassroots love John Delaney. And there obviously has to be reasons for that. So when we say grassroots, what we mean really is essentially the sport at participation level, away from the national teams, away from the League of Ireland. The Irish Sportsman in the report, the most recent of which came out in 2017, put soccer participation at 4%, which leaves it still as the biggest team sport in the country. So as far as team sports, soccer is still number one. Bigger than the GA. That is actually surprising. Yep. And in, in terms of the actual numbers, the FAI suggests that there's around 450,000 people involved in some capacity, be it as players or as volunteers. And there's a huge network of clubs across the country. We're talking about 2,000 clubs of different sizes and that's sustained them by a massive number of volunteers. So what's become increasingly apparent in the past week or so is that John Delaney retains a huge amount of support there. Why? Well, you can look at a number of things. You can look at the fact that he assists them on the work of the development of their facilities. Uh, when you need someone to show up and turn the sod or cut the ribbon for an opening ceremony, he's there. When you need someone to advise on grant applications, how you best deal with the FAI facilities department, he's happy to do it. And if there's a medal presentation, if there's an anniversary dinner, anything like that. John Delaney has a, a really strong connection there. He's very present for them. And I think it helps the grassroots volunteers, those involved at that level, feel that they're very valued. 
in 2007, the FAI decided to create what's known as the Festival of Football. And the idea there is that rather than just having an AGM every year, the AGM instead is the centrepiece of a week-long showcase, a celebration of the local football community in a particular area. And it moves around the country, taking place in a different county each year. As well as that, then you have initiatives like the FAI National Draw, which was launched in 2013. And that's become an important fundraising element for a lot of clubs. I think last year it raised over €850,000 for about 400 clubs. So on average, about €2,000 a club, which really goes a long way when you're talking about essentials like kits and nets and balls and that kind of thing. And what we've seen in the last week then is a number of public statements issued in support of John Delaney by individual clubs and by associations. Started on the 28th of March with a letter issued in the name of the four provincial associations and the FAI Junior Council. But following that, then there have been maybe there have been a number of other clubs who have gotten involved, maybe seven or eight of those by my count, including statements from Pat O'Sullivan, who's the chairman of Limerick FC, League of Ireland, and Lee Power, another League of Ireland chairman, Waterford FC. And just to give you a flavour of what's in them, one came from Duncanon Football Club in Wexford. And their statement said that, you know, among all the other things that John Delaney has done, he was asked to present medals to their under-12 boys team in 2011, but he was flying out on a family holiday late that night. And instead of saying he couldn't do it, he drove from Waterford, presented the medals, opened the local sand sculpting festival, and then drove on to Dublin Airport. So these are the kind of things that the football community or sections of the grassroots game certainly are valuing and why they are so grateful for the work of John Delaney and why they hold him in such high regard. Yeah, I think it is important, especially for community groups like that, that they do feel present and valued by the bigwigs because often you hear that people in those positions are, you know, alien to what's happening on the ground. So it, 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 you can understand why people do value that so much. And um, Sean, there is a, obviously pockets of Irish football who don't value that as much and who do take issue with John Delaney still being in a, a, a an important role in the FAI. Like there has been quite vocal opposition to Delaney for some time among uh, especially travelling Irish supporters to various um, stadiums following the Irish team around. Um, there was a, a kind of famous case in Serbia there a couple of years ago where fans had an anti-Delaney banner that they were trying to bring into the stadium and um, the stewards in the stadium in Serbia spotted this banner and prevented them from bringing it in. So this perception that even opposition to Delaney isn't kind of tolerated. But then obviously we had the very famous tennis ball protest a few weeks ago that showed that showed the opposite, that there was quite a large support for that. And you were there for that? Well, I, I was there with my uh, kind of fan cap on. I go to all of the home matches. I, I, I definitely fall within the Richie Sadlier school of thought. Explain on that to me. So there, I watched it back then when I got home on Orchi and there was a conflict on between the analyst panel between Damien Duff and Richie Sadlier. Duff fell in line with, oh, okay, this is this is a bit stupid. This is not a good way of protesting. This is distracting the players. Whereas um, Richie was making the point that, no, this is a very valid way of um, vocalising your opposition because it's, it's not hurting anybody. It's not causing a major distraction to the game. It's, it's lasting for a couple of minutes, but it's a very clear message that this is how we feel about this. And like, I, 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 I got that sense in the ground. Like there wasn't um, fans booing when the tennis ball, well, around me, I can only talk about around me. I can't talk about the other 40 odd thousand that were there, but around me, there was kind of jovial mood. People were kind of laughing a little bit. We were watching our own team playing really well, where this separate thing where people were making their stance against Delaney. And that was fine. And straight away, all, when all the tennis balls were taken off, there was massive cheering again. Everyone's like, okay, you've had that and that was a good statement. Now we're getting behind the team. And then it helped that we scored straight away. So now this is, it's not quite a divisive issue, but it's hard to know where this is going to go. It is very hard to know where this is going to go. And I think 
what most people want to see is that the outstanding questions that have been lingering for the last two weeks, never mind anything else outstanding over the last 15 years, that they are addressed. So what do people want to know? Well, when it comes to this 100,000 loan, they want to know why. They want to know how it was agreed. They want to know the terms. They want to know the details of this loan, which all of which have been kind of clouded behind statement after statement after statement by the FAI, which is not really saying much at all. This week we were told in committee that the FAI wouldn't be willing to release any details on that to Sport Ireland until the external review that they've commissioned by Mazars has been completed, which strikes me as slightly unusual because presumably they know the answer and nothing that they can inform Sport Ireland of will prejudge anything that Mazars come up with ultimately. So that struck me as slightly incongruous. There's other questions that do need to be answered around the transparency around FAI finances. Noel Rockin committee this week in a very direct line of questioning asked how, how frequently over the last few years have the FAI drawn down their funding early from Sport Ireland and as he went through it year by year by year, the answer he got was yes, it happened early, yes, it happened early, yes, it happened early, yes, it happened early. And then there's the question to be asked about John Delaney's new role within the association as executive vice president. Most specifically, where does the nexus of power now lie within the FAI? John Delaney is no longer the CEO, but is John Delaney still the most powerful man in Irish football? Niall Quinn was a man who was linked frequently with this position as CEO, and he described it as a job for a gilly for as long as John Delaney is there as executive vice president. That's leaving aside all of the other concerns about how the role was constructed, why Sport Ireland didn't have visibility of it in advance of it being created and filled, why the position wasn't externally advertised and was approved unanimously by a board. There are lots of questions to be answered. And I think once we start getting clarity around all of these very legitimate questions, questions which the FAI have to address, we'll have a much better idea of where things stand within the FAI and Irish sport. I think, think that's important because that's where the Oireachtas Committee will come in next week. It'll be the first time. Obviously, you, you've mentioned how we've gotten statement after statement. That's not quite provided the answers. This is the first kind of public forum where directly Delaney will be sitting there to be other FAI officials flanking him and he'll be asked directly, what was this about? Hmm. You have to tell, like, they have to, compel to answer. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they say. And when are we going to see that? That's going to be um, the, this coming Wednesday. So Wednesday, the 10th of April. Indeed. And it, um, box office. Bo- oh, box office stuff. It's, it'll be very interesting because um, anyone who may have followed Delaney's previous appearance before an Oireachtas committee, they'll be, um, it's going to be very different because last time these kind of clips were shared widely. There was various TDs who got up and it was kind of almost like a love-in. There were TDs telling them, oh, Jesus, John, great. You're creating this great spectacle for the people of Ireland to watch. I think it's going to be a bit different this time. I would imagine so. Um, one big last question to ask both of you. Um, who was at fault in Saipan? I am not answering that question. At the time, because I was a massive United fan and I was only 10 years old, uh, Roy Keane was obviously in the right. I didn't think either of you would answer that. So <laughs> thank you very much, John. And thanks for coming into The Explainer. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. As always, this episode was made by executive producer Christine Bohan, producer Aoife Barry, assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. Our contributors today were Sean Murray and Niall Kelly. And a special thanks to The42.ie for letting Niall out of the desk. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and we'll be back next week.